0: Hello and welcome to season 2, episode number 7 of the podcast, What is Culture? My name is Rocco Lungarello and I'm feeling alright. So if I learned anything from hosting this podcast throughout the 23 episodes so far, it's that nurturing a positive workplace culture is a constant effort. Hence the title of this week's episode. So if you remember way back in season 1, episode 2, When I interviewed Chrissy Pfeiffer from our indie office, which was about two months after the Moby acquisition, we learned about the incredible value of a culture committee. We learned that you cannot just expect your organization to maintain a healthy level of morale without putting plans, people, and initiatives in place to help foster a positive culture and to improve the employee experience. This is one of the many influences of the Mobi acquisition, as we now have a culture committee in place at every Tango location. So again, it takes effort. Culture is a living thing. So I'm very happy to feature today's guest, my friend and my colleague, Sam Arujo, Tango's internal communication specialist, who works from our Persiphone, New Jersey location. So as you listen to the interview, Pay attention to all of the initiatives that Sam is either leading or contributing to. It will make you wonder if she ever sleeps. But truly, Tango is very lucky to have someone who is so dedicated and so driven, someone who is just super aware of the importance of culture. So in this fun yet insightful conversation, Sam and I discuss the origin of this podcast some important ongoing projects and initiatives that are currently on her plate, um, the goals of the culture committees, and where Sam hopes to see our global culture progress in the next year. Here's my conversation with the talented and hardworking Sam Arujo Let's all learn from her.
1: No, absolutely. I'm happy to share my story. And, you know, we've kind of been on this journey together since day one. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, we didn't know each other. So I think it'd be a funny anecdote to talk about how we actually met and mm-hmm. what that day was like. Um, so I met you. You just happened to be in, in Persephone, mm-hmm. one of the, uh, the times that I had a town hall meeting with Bob, and we were just going over. And he was like, you know what? We have to get Rocco in here. And you just followed him in, and <laughs> mm-hmm. you definitely share about that experience yeah I, so that's awesome.
0: it's crazy and it's a little bit foggy to be honest that was one of the most bizarre and like really my life seriously changed that week it, it's so cheesy but so it was the second week in january and um so i was on the marketing team at that point and we were doing this thing called the executive blog series and i was interviewing the, the executives and doing just like an, a blog article that looked like they wrote it. So I was like ghostwriting for, for executives. And we got to the point where we thought it was time to do Bob's. <laughs> and so I wrote, I wrote, I remember I wrote a, I didn't write the blog. I wrote like an outline of the blog. Cause we were so nervous about Bob and his, you know, cause he's so particular about how he comes across oh, and yeah. it, it's difficult. It's a, can you think of a more difficult task than to ghostwrite for the CEO that you would never met in your life? And I'd only been with the company three months. So long story short, I put together basically like a, an outline, a rough draft slash outline of, of his blog, and I sent it to him to review. And he wrote back and he's like, hey, Rocco, you know, I'm, I think it'd be great if you shadowed me for a few days and really get to know my management style. That he didn't really even acknowledge the blog, which I didn't. I thought was a that was probably his way of saying this is not good. So anyway, I came and I shadowed him for two days, and that's when I met you. And I had no idea really what would come of it. And essentially, this whole idea of the podcast arose in that week, in and the second day. And I remember telling you, and the whole discussion about it was everyone was a little bit unsure if it was really going to happen, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. We were all like, so you're just going to swap out of the marketing team and just do a podcast? What? <laughs> and, um, and I remember, too, the nickname, The One, I think you need to talk about that, Um
0: oh gosh! <laughs> so you, yeah the one your
1: name, so, your name was the the
0: one well it was a sh- <laughs> so <laughs> it was shortened because bob said the you know from now on your job here is to answer the question uh what is culture so the one who answers the question what is culture and that was shortened to the one and um honestly like the whole thing the whole idea of doing a podcast was somewhat my idea, but I never thought that he would go for it, you know, and I remember him saying, you know, what if you, you ditched the whole blog and you just did a series where you interviewed people in our company and you asked the question, what is culture? I mean, think about how many ways that could be answered. Um, and I, I loved the idea, but I said, I'm like, (laughs) what about my other job you know like it it was just I there it's a long story of how I got to where I did but I really I I I didn't think he was serious but the more I talked to Bob the more I knew how serious he was about about culture and about making an effort to discover it and so you know here we are but you were integral in the whole in, in setting up the process, you know, like I, I talked to you about how we were gonna do it. Um, I even did like a, um, a first cut. And so you and Patterson were like, I couldn't have done it without you guys, N- never. I mean, there's no way. It, you totally helped me launch the whole thing.
1: You you give us too much credit. Honestly, um, the first time we heard it, I know we joked about having tears in our eyes. We were like, this is beautiful. <laughs> this is awesome. Keep going. I mean, we never really had any edits, and mm-hmm. that's how you've been rolling since day one, is no edits, 100% transparency, and, you know, in the game plan is discover our culture, and you know how it is. When it's in the game plan, it's set in stone, and we're doing it, mm-hmm. and this is the best avenue for discovering our culture, because we get to talk to people all over the place, and, you know, we never had that before, so... Um, we were excited just to even be <laughs> involved in the process of just hearing your thought process and brainstorming with you. But that was all you.
0: Well, yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that, but I think with anything uh, in terms of work, I couldn't do it without like your support. And even if it was just being there for me to talk to, because it was, I, I had to like leave my old apartment and I was worried about what would this, how would this turn out? Like what, what if it doesn't work out? And there's just a lot of self doubt and a right. lot of just insecurity to work through. But yeah, I mean, I've, I've get, I've been given like complete control over the podcast. I don't know if anyone realizes that, but I literally record them. I do my edits, but no one approves them. They just go live. And I <laughs> I like shit my pants every time i publish one because they're not all sunshine and rainbows and i don't know i'm just trying to be real um so it's just it's still to to this day you know what are we looking at four or five months later six months later i'm still you know really hyper aware that this is being consumed by any and everyone i mean we initiated the project it was We thought it was going to be internal only. So, the fact that, yeah, the fact that anybody could listen to it. And now that we're in season two and we're even interviewing people outside of the company, it's amazing and frightening. So, yeah,
1: and and that's the beauty of it. It's that there are no barriers, there's nothing holding you back from doing anything that you want or for anyone to say anything. mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's no company out there that I know of that has something like this like there's no legal approval like we are going for it and you know maybe you do edit certain things out but as far as i know everybody's true thoughts and feelings they're portrayed
0: 100
1: yeah. yeah like you no, said super true. real
0: you're right it's funny because when people ask if i edit i say well a lot of times i edit me being stupid you know, like I'll fumble <laughs> over a sentence because I'm really good at that. A lot of the times that's what the editing is. And also for length, because I try to keep them, uh, you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes at the most. Mm-hmm. But even at the beginning, I had this hang up about it being 20 minutes and I was editing a, a little bit too much. And so in season two, I don't cut anything that isn't valuable if it's going to be 45 minutes or more. I don't care. I don't think about time anymore. I think about quality. Um but yeah, it takes courage to be on this show. Definitely. It's funny cuz this is I this is literally the first time that anyone has ever asked me anything and it, it's just, you know, it's it takes courage to do it. And I always okay. say that to the to the guest after the show. Um but I mean really, it's um they know that people are listening to it and it takes courage to be, to be honest. And I think it's, you could tell if someone's not being genuine. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. So, <laughs> yeah, but let's talk about you seriously, because you're very interesting. You're, you're probably in my top five favorite people at the company, if not on the planet. So <laughs> that's very, awesome, such yeah, a <laughs> very cool to have you on. So let's start by telling us just your role, because people might not even know that. Just what you do, what your role is, and kind of what that encompasses. And then I have a bunch of other questions that are going to make you uncomfortable.
1: So. <laughs> awesome. That's what I came <laughs> here for. Um, so my role, it varies a lot. Um, I'm the internal communication specialist. And uh, aside from the communications, obviously, that you know, come in and out, There's we have the employee portal. Which is newly launched, and that's our one-stop shop for everything: resources, documents, articles, pictures—you name it—it's on there. Um, and that I manage daily. We have the culture pieces on there. You know, we try to do the best that we can to keep everybody connected and aware of what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, along with that, we have Teams, Microsoft Teams. Um, you know, I won't take the credit. Uh, Jerome uh, Lewinag. I hope I didn't butcher your last name. Um, I've been partnering with him a lot on just using Teams as a comms vehicle. So now, when I started, we had Teams, and you know, people were chatting here and there. But we also had Skype, and it was kind of confusing. Like, what do I? How do I contact my coworkers? What's right. the right vehicle? So we've been creating groups where we've been pretty much throwing everybody on them. And you, and the, the cool part about Teams is that you can, you know modify your notifications if you want to be connected or not or if there's certain aspects of the teams groups that you're interested in you know you're able to make that unique to you but we're at least creating groups that are keeping everyone aware of what's going on so there's different culture pieces for example so every office is doing something cool so in abington in the uk they have a little kangaroo which is their kangaroo called roo and they take pictures across you know, the globe, mm-hmm. with this roux, and we wouldn't know about it, you know, here in Parsippany, New Jersey, <clears throat> what they're doing. We didn't have this Teams group. So that's one of the initiatives that we're really, really working on. Um, something else that I work on. So we just launched a uh, recognition program and our friends in Indianapolis, they had this. And that's, um, so we had just acquired Moby back in, oof, was that December, Harako? December, yeah. Yeah. And they had this program already down to the T. And one of the things that we saw that employees are looking for was recognition. How do we recognize each other? How do I receive recognition? And they had this program where it's so, it's just so nice and intimate. You were able to write a, uh a note to a colleague on a card and you post it on a board in your office and you know, monthly they'll read them out and they'll post them on their cubes and they start to collect them. And it's just something, so such a small token of gratitude that goes such a long way. So those are the, uh,
0: the power up cards. Yeah. Right. Okay.
1: And yeah, so we're just, we're working on that right now to launch that globally. Um, something else that everybody knows we have the town halls, um, I love working with Bob monthly. We get to see what's going on in the company. <laughs> the,
0: yeah, I love that. I it's funny cuz whenever town hall time comes around, I always mess with you and I'm I'm like, "Oh, how's town hall going?" To pe- I don't know if people realize like how involved you are in coordinating that. Like that's like on your list of things to coordinate every month.
1: Yeah, yeah, and we start, yeah. you know, at least 2 to 3 weeks out you know, every month we have a brainstorm session, and we see what's going on, what's relevant, what are people asking for, what do they want to know, and what's going to be beneficial to them. So, it, it, you know, every month I don't think anyone knows what's coming, mm-hmm. which is the awesome part. You know, last month we had clients join us live, and we've never had that before. And you know, it's just we're always trying to make it better, different iterations, as you know Bob says. So. Um, that's one thing yeah there's a lot that goes into it um, you know sometimes you might have one presenter sometimes we might have six so it, it really really ranges and there's a lot of work that goes into it and I really appreciate everybody that comes out and you know they participate if they're hosting or if they're you know leading a presentation I know it's extra work on top of their plate but it really helps educate everybody and inform everyone on what's going on
0: it does it really does and I- I'm going through right now the next episode that's going to air is a compilation of the last 10 episodes. So we did one already that was the first 10. So this one is the second 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the second 10, that sounds weird, but
1: can you believe it?
0: Yeah. So honestly though, the one of the things that comes up almost every time when I ask, you know, what's working, that type of question people always say that the communication in the last several months has really really improved and they always point to the town halls and just how beneficial it is and how f- informative it is and so it's it's really there I understand I really know how much work goes into it but it's like one of the most important things we do every month and it's um it's something that people look forward to for real so Thank you on behalf of everyone for doing all that you do to to keep it going, because I know it's not easy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I always joke with you that I always have a blazer on because no one needs to see me sweating underneath. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's so much effort put together from a lot of people we have the IT group too they're always uh, they're always doing so much to prepare and get everything ready too Uh, you know it's not just me and and Bob and everyone else you know IT huge shout out to them Um, but a lot something that a lot of people don't know is that we actually do the town hall twice so we do it at 10 a.m. and we do it again at 10 p.m. You uh-huh. know, we're a little bit tired, but for me, I get my <laughs> my espresso shot and I'm ready to go. And we want to make sure that everybody has that same live, authentic experience. Uh-huh. You know, if you're constantly watching something that's recorded, you don't really get the same value out of it. So that's something that I, I love that we do. And um, I, I think it's really, really appreciated, too.
0: So that 10 p.m. one is for people um, in other time zones. So their 10 p.m., our 10 p.m. is their 10 a.m., right?
1: Right. And typically that's, you know, the third shift in India or we have um, Kunshan, China or somebody else that just they missed it at 10 a.m. and they're free at night and they want to watch it or if they loved it so much they want to watch it again.
0: <laughs> they're <actually laughs> able
1: to do that, too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And being able to tune into it live is, is very different than a recording. So that's really cool that they get to have that authentic experience.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So we have to ask the question, what is culture, right?
1: So for me, I always like to define culture as culture is, and there is a imaginary semicolon at the end because we can all define culture, how we see fit. Um, all of us are collectively coming together and we're creating something beautiful, unique and groundbreaking, which is what Tango is. And I really think that the foundation that we're built upon is all of our various backgrounds that come together. You have people you know that came from Vodafone and a Sentinel. Um, and you know, we are still together. And we have different components that create this collective culture, which is really cool. You know, a lot of companies we don't—they don't have a background like us. And I like to say that we're so unique that nothing, no other company will be able to compare to what we have and the people that we have, and you know, so many tenured kangaroos that have stayed on and they've just seen the evolution of what Tango is. Um,
0: and some speak, have some battle scars is. too, right?
1: absolutely and that's what yeah yeah. they're able to tell you that their story this is where we came from um you know we're bringing the best parts of everything that came from tango to what tango is now and we're looking at the future and you know we're able to look at the future because of our past and i I think that's something that's so unique that we have
0: Mm, nice that's poetic
1: (laughs) you know i was thinking about this a lot and I was thinking about, you know, companies that I've worked for in the past, and just to give a quick, you know, anecdote, if I may, um, you know, in my past companies, there has been, you know, an executive aisle or an executive side of the office where they all sit, and (laughs) if you were caught walking in that area, it's like, do you have a meeting? What are you doing over here? Like, this is where the CEO is, and this is where the COO is. Like, why are you here? And,
0: <laughs> and You know don't belong. People, yeah, get out of here.
1: Exactly. And I know a lot of people can share that same sentiment. And, like, I actually had a manager tell me, if you see the CEO, keep walking. Don't talk to them. And I'm like, is this serious? And And this is, you know, such a bad painting of what corporate America feels like to a lot of people. And when I came here... I sit right outside of Sandy and Mark Troller's office and their doors are open and they're having their conversations. And I can pop in and be like, hey, how's it going? How was your weekend? And they love it. And it's just it's such a different vibe. And, you know, although we're a global company and we have over 2000 employees, it still feels like a family. And even as we talked about before, you know, we come from different backgrounds. There's people from different companies that have been absorbed into Tango. But you have that family vibe, and that's something that I cherish here a lot. And I, that, to me, is the definition of what our culture is. And, you know, all of us, we work so hard together, and we're always helping each other. And it's not like, oh, Raku, you want me to help you with your brainstorming for your podcast, although I'm not doing it. It's like, no, I want to help you. I want to take the extra hour with you, and I want to do it you know although you know my name's not on it it doesn't matter and that's a lot of the mindset that most people have here and it's just making this family stronger and you know the like i mentioned before <laughs> the other companies i worked for that's super toxic and that's that's what a lot of people are experiencing and that's not our culture here at tango we're no. super open and super friendly and inviting and we're just here to help each other you know become stronger
0: Yeah. And I've worked in companies the same way. And I feel like that could be just rooted in, in their own insecurity where they feel like they have to build that barrier almost to say, you know, I'm above you. So I'm not going to have an open door policy because you're not worthy of it, you know? So there, that truly exists. And I think it's a, I think the team, the executive team is just really, are really secure people. You know, they're not, they're not trying to be somebody that they're not, they are who they are and they don't, there's no need for them to protect, to hide behind closed doors to put up this facade of, you know, oh, I'm this big executive and I don't have time for the little people. And so that, I think that's what the executives share is just that, um, They just have a very secure sense of themselves
1: yeah and you know if you're in a room with people at different levels they're not going to be like somebody at the lowest level why are you raising your hand they want to know everybody's opinion everybody feels like they're on the same level because we're all working towards a common goal Mm -hmm. Um, and it's funny because when i came here i wasn't used to a culture like this where like we said the the executive team and everyone is so open and we have this family feel that it felt weird to me at first. It's like, what? Bob wants me to come into his office. Mm,
0: uh, <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah.
1: Like, Why, why does he want to talk to me? So those are the types of things that are just so different here. And honestly, I love it. One, <laughs> you know, funny story. <laughs> when I first met Sandy um, Von and Dr- our uh, CHRO, um, you know, talking about those toxic environments that I worked for in the past it took me like maybe two three even four months to shake that off and to feel confident in what I was doing because she she has been awesome you know she does nothing but instill positivity in me and you know gives me great advice and helps me grow and you know I've never had anything like that before and that you know that's something else that goes along with this culture it's like don't be afraid because your manager's closing the door behind them. Like it's <laughs> maybe they just want to tell you how great you're doing. You know, it's, it's a different, and I, it, like I said before, I just, I love it. It's, it's a great change. And, you know, I, I hope everyone feels the same way.
0: Yeah. We talked about early on that you're heavily involved in improving and nurturing our culture. So what projects are you currently working on specifically to help nurture a more positive work culture?
1: Yeah, so like we mentioned before, we have the Power Up Recognition Program. So hopefully that gives folks more of an opportunity to recognize each other and you know, give them praise or you know they carpooled with each other <laughs> or you know something simple like that too. It doesn't have to be some grandiose thing, um, so that's one, one thing. Um, so the other thing that started here was um, the uh, Department of Culture. So every office formed a culture team. And, you know, and right now we're we're forming a remote culture team. We have about 400 plus employees in the U.S. alone that are remote. And, you know, the culture shouldn't be restricted just to those that are in an office. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're remote, you, you probably have your own unique culture too. And we don't want you to feel disconnected. So we've been working with a lot of culture leads in the different offices and brainstorming with them and you know we gave them a budget to work with and they've been planning events and pretty much just rallying everybody to create that camaraderie again and getting everyone to know each other getting out of your offices coming out of your cubes um you know it's been baby steps but you know i think everyone's been doing a fantastic job especially here in the office. I haven't seen so much laughter and just great vibes in all, you know in a while. and you know I haven't even been here that long, but I've already seen such a massive change. So I've just been you know helping facilitate the different culture groups and seeing if there's anything they need. You know, just making sure even <laughs> even down to are you how are you getting everything expensed, making sure that that is great and that everything is working flawlessly for them. And you know, just being their partner, and letting them know, like, hey, you're doing an awesome job, keep at it. <laughs> I'm here. So that's definitely one of the big things going on for culture.
0: So the Department of Culture, those are small committees in every office across all of Tango. And those are what, about five to ten people, give or take, that are kind of in responsible for coordinating events, right, to help boost morale and culture. Is that the kind of the idea of those committees?
1: Definitely. And the folks that lead it, they're people who exhibit our core values and they're, you know, great representations and they're seen as leaders across the office. And so those are the ones that are able to rally the troops, right, and get them out of their desks. And they appreciate and understand the values. So, you know, little by little, we're getting everyone to think about, like, how can we you know, think about our values and uh, as we go forth in planning these events.
0: Mm-hmm. So so we've talked about this. Uh, I, I hate saying offline. That's such a corporate thing to say, but we've talked about this uh, offline, you and I, where these the Department of Culture, the people that are on them are amazing. They deserve so much credit. These, these uh, employees are not doing it for extra, you know, they're doing it because they want to. They're doing it in addition to their jobs, you know, they're, they're taking a lot of them are working hard on off hours to get a lot of these events set up. And we could, I couldn't be more grateful to them. Um, but we've talked about, you know, what makes, uh, what makes an event successful, you know, is it, should they just be about fun? Should they just be about getting people together and talking? I don't know. Maybe yes, maybe no. But in your opinion, what should make a a culture committee event successful?
1: Yeah, so I know we talked a lot about, you know, you and I offline, that a lot of the events, they're great, people are having fun, but like, let's take, let's up the ante, right? So I think that the goal of these events should be to build camaraderie, empower each other, exhibit our values, and have fun while you're doing it. So I know it it might be a little bit tough to think about how do we actually promote our values while creating events? Because it, you know, it's just like, okay, I want to host a happy hour. What does that have to do with our values? Mm -hmm. So it's like thinking about like, how do we have a values focused initiative? And, you know, I'll bring up a great example of something that happened here in Persephone. Um, Mark Troller and Tim Reed from the IT department, they went ahead and hosted a Habitat for Humanity event. And for those who don't know what that is, it we basically all got together and we built, helped build a house. And we took the whole day off. And <laughs> the IT team, they were so nice enough to invite me along. Um, you know, although at the end of the day, I wasn't able to move my hands and
0: <laughs> right. I was
1: extremely tired. But, you know, that was such... A big thing when it came to selflessness, which is one of our values.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And that it's really
1: like drove it home.
0: Selflessness personified, definitely.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things that I always mention it. People are probably tired of me talking about the Habitat for Humanity event. But but honestly, it's such a great example. You know, not only were they exhibiting selflessness and volunteering, but they were doing something great. And they got we all got to know each other a lot better while we were doing it. So it does it does do something with creating that camaraderie, but also, you know, enhancing our values at the same time. So that is something that I I love everybody to think about, you know, as we go forward and discovering our culture is how do we really bolster the values while we have these events? Because the values, we should always keep that top of mind. And if we're all Thinking and doing and acting the values that like I can only imagine <laughs> how much stronger the culture and 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 everything in the office is going to
0: be. It's, it can only go up, right? <laughs> yeah, no, you're right, and exactly. it's not an easy thing. It it really isn't because and even we talked about it in an episode with Sarah Curtis. Uh, the title was "We're All in Sales," and we touched on that where fun is great, but we should challenge ourselves to do more with the resources that we have. Cause we're, we're really lucky that we were given the opportunity to do all these events across all of tango. But, um, I think we should challenge ourselves to take it a little bit further, take it another step further.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, it's, it's one of the, if not the greatest initiative right now here. So let's take advantage of it and let's do the most that we can with the resources that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, The difficult part, too, is that every office is at a different level. Like, you have the team in France. Most of them have been together for years. They have such a strong family bond already. And then you have other offices who, you know, they're not as strong, but they're getting there, and they're having these events just to get everybody out. So there's different levels, too. So you can't just, like, tell everybody, all right.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's that's true. Yeah.
1: So that's it's, a, it's really yeah. cool to see where everybody's at. Um, I'm starting to get a hang of like who's where, you know, the certain offices that are similar to others. Um, but I, I think that's too, you know, contributes to what like we were talking about before. We're so unique as a company. So it's every office is going to be unique.
0: Mm-hmm. So I feel like you and I are similar, right? Where we just we care a lot almost to a fault. Um, so why do you think you care so much about improving the, um, the employee experience at Tango? Like why do you, why does it kind of keep you up at night even sometimes?
1: <laughs> That's a good question. Um, you know, I think it relates to what I was talking about before about, you know, having worked in companies that had a toxic culture. So one of the things that inspires me here is our leadership team. Um, I have never, you know, I I can't say that I've worked, you know, that many years, too, in my life, but um, from what I've seen and heard from other people, like, this leadership team, they're on point. They're awesome, and, you know, they work so hard. They're not doing the bare minimum. They're not just coming to work and going home at five. They all collaborate, and they all, you know, they're always talking about how they can make Tango a better place to work, and, that inspires me and that makes me want to (laughs) want to make everybody else feel the same way. You know, not a lot of people get to work, you know, with Bob and the executive team at a high level. So they don't necessarily get to see that drive and inspiration that they have every day. So I do my best to make sure that I'm cascading information down and, and I'm letting everyone know, hey, these are the initiatives that we're working on. When we have the town hall, know when I have those brainstorming sessions I'm thinking about what's important but also what if people told me that they're not too happy about or what do they want to know a little bit more about so I'm constantly digging and trying to make sure and, and just reaffirm everyone why they work here and I want to and if they're not at the same you know headspace that I am I want to help get them there and help them understand and and really just believe in what we're doing and and the the path that we're going. And, you know, I really think that we can get there. And, and like you said, yeah, we maybe we care a little bit too much, but it, it's only because of what I see. And it's just, it's so different.
0: I mean, don't you feel overwhelmed sometimes? You must, right?
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: <laughs> you, know, God, Jesus.
1: <laughs> you know, I always joke about being a perfectionist. There's no such thing as a perfectionist. You're never going to be perfect. Um, and that's something that, you know, I learn over the years. Um, however, I still strive to be somewhat, at least, you know, on that path to making things right. And, the, you know, one of the problems too with me is that I'm always thinking of the next best thing. If I have something working, I'm like, no, 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 there's a better way to do this. <laughs> there's a faster, better way that I can, you know, uh, put technology into it. You know, how can I make this process be better for everybody? So I think too, when you're like us and you're constantly thinking of how to improve something, you're never able to really sleep because it keeps you up at night. Mm-hmm. Um, but remembering that work is going to be there tomorrow and that, you know, we're not a we're not <laughs> curing cancer, you know?
0: That's uh, right. Yeah, that's yeah. Be more realistic about it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, it's going to be there tomorrow. And if you don't finish it, it's okay. And, um, you know, something that Sandy always likes to, to joke about is my inability to say no. So that's something that I also struggle with because I love to help. You know, if if somebody needs me, I'll drop what I'm doing to help them. But then at the end of the day, I'm like, oop, <laughs> I need to do my work too. So just having that balance of knowing when to say no and when you can help um, is huge, especially when we're dealing with so many projects at once.
0: I do have another question, and I I feel like we've probably been on for too long, but this is kind of like thinking long-term. So what what would you love to have accomplished one year from today?
1: So I want us to genuinely feel like a global company so i know this is not something that i can do by myself but by being a champion for expanding others perspectives and challenging them to think globally i think that will make a huge impact um one of the things that when i first started i spoke to different you know hr business partners across the globe and i asked them too how does everybody feel and one of the things that came up was everyone feels Siloed or disconnected, or they feel like we're a U.S.-focused company. So, one of the things that I've been working on is how do I expand that feel, um, and really just challenging people. If they come to me and they have some, you know, program or something that they want to launch. I automatically ask them first: Is this being launched globally, or are you going to do this U.S. first? And if they say U.S. first, basically go back to the drawing board because we want to do this globally. So. That's one of the things that I'm really kind of hoping to drill. You know, when we're doing communications, we're not just focused on US. We're bouncing around from country to country. On the employee portal, we have different spotlights on there. So every few weeks, you'll see a different country being spotlighted. So, and in teams, we're not just focused on what's Parsippany doing. We're focused on what's everybody doing. And I'm starting to see, like we were talking about, that momentum is starting to go and We're starting to slowly feel global, um, but I'm hoping, you know, a year from now, the more that I drill and the more that I hope that I (laughs) positively lend some of that to different people, I I think we're going to really start seeing a change. Um, You know, something that I always, this one line that I love to steal is from Tony Liu, our HR director in China. He always says, think globally, act locally. And that's something that I, probably tell myself about 10 times a day Mm. so i hope that other people can also take that line with them you know not just in tango but if you're in a global company to also think that way and you're going to start getting a huge stronger culture and a stronger team going and that's what we're trying to accomplish with discovering our culture today so for me it's kind of a broad thing but that's what i would love to accomplish
0: so yeah, that's a really, that's a great goal to have because, and I've done a few episodes with international folks. I think a lot of people listening to you say that that's going to make, that's going to put a smile on their face. Really?
1: Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it too. And um, yeah, just everything that I'm doing, at least, you know, <laughs> I just always try to have a global perspective. And if I don't, you know what? <laughs> Call somebody, ask them what they do in their office, because that's what I love to do. If I don't know something or if I want to get a different perspective, you know, I'll chat with Tony or, you know, I'll, I'll chat with Jay. And that's what everybody should do. They shouldn't feel like they're constricted to just their local colleagues. Everybody has some kind of counterpart somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we rely on them and, and chat with them here and there, We'll be able to accomplish so much. And we'll have different perspectives. And that's going to go along with not even just the culture teams, but how we do our jobs every day.
0: Mm -hmm. Nice. All right. Well, I don't know why it took so long to get you on the show. It makes perfect sense to have you on. And um, for once, we're putting the spotlight on Sam. And it's about time.
1: (laughs) No, I don't need a spotlight on me. I'm just... I'm just happy to, you know, chat with you and and let everyone know about all the initiatives that we're working on. We're working really hard on just making Tango a better place for everyone.
0: So there's another conversation with a super hardworking yet humble Tango employee. There must be something in the water. Um, No, really, thank you, Sam, for all that you do and for carving out time to talk with me and for sharing your thoughts as well as your contributions to the culture here at Tango. This culture thing, it, it truly is a continuing and constant effort. And I'm just really proud and grateful to work alongside someone who is truly impacting Tango's global employee experience. You are crushing it, Sam. If you would like to be a guest on the show, please email me at rocco.lungarello at tango.com I am always looking for more contributors to the podcast. So that's the show. Thank you all for listening. But before we go, I have a story. So so I went to get the frames of my, uh, my eyeglasses fixed the other day. Somehow they broke. I'm not sure how. Anyway, so I go in, I hand them over to the associate at the eye care place, and she says, oh, no problem. You just have a screw loose. And I said, yes, but can you fix my glasses? (laughs) And there's your dad joke. Until next time.